WiFi Sci-Fi. WiFi Sci-Fi. WiFi Sci-Fi. What is WiFi Sci-Fi? It's Girl in Space. Tales of Sage and Savant. The Ninth World Journal. Oz9. Moonbase Theta. Out. It's Girl in Space. WiFi Sci-Fi. What is WiFi Sci-Fi? Find out at WiFi Sci-Fi dot org. WiFi Sci-Fi. Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Comics. I am Kyle Jones, and joining me again on this podcast, Ron Stevens. Ron, how are you? I am doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I'm I'm ecstatic, and I'm like got ten good reasons to be on here. Mainly Powers and House of X, and I can't wait to talk to you guys. But if I'm saying you guys, that means we've got somebody else on here, and that person hmm. is none other than Ryan Kent. Ryan, how are you? And welcome. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I have been looking at your Instagram, and I want you to tell the listeners where you came up with the idea for comic book classics and I will share the Instagram link on the show notes for this episode but before we get into House of X just really quick tell us about comic book classics the Instagram page oh uh yeah I um basically a few years ago I was getting some comics that I had stored in storage for a while while I was moving around the country and I was pulling them out and going through them and really getting reacquainted with a lot of the comics I love. And I wanted somewhere to, to share it. So I just started an Instagram page where I'll just post a, a single comic or maybe a couple comics at a time to talk about them, try to generate some discussion. So come give me a follow and check me out on Combo Classics on Instagram. Awesome. For everyone listening, if you have not read the last issues of House and Powers of X, Please be warned, this will be spoilers abound. Spoilers. 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 Just to let you know, spoilers ahead. But before we get into the story, the meat and bones of the story, Ryan, I know you've not traditionally been an X-Men fan before this. Am I right there? You are correct, sir. Yes. It, of course, it was one of my favorite writers, Ashley, who's writing this book that kind of lured me into it. I was really, this was my seeing how can I test how much do I like Jonathan Hickman? And apparently I really like him because <laughs> I finished uh, the whole entire series of Powers of the X-Men and it was definitely, definitely a fun read. All right. So the question then becomes, beyond the story of House and Powers, are you going to read any of the X books that come as part of Dawn of X? Yeah, I plan on reading X-Men, New Mutants also. Yeah, I'm like I said, this book definitely made me interested in what's going on with X-Men now. There's been past, I may have mentioned before, there have been past stories that kind of lost me with the X-Men and kind of shunned me away from, but this one kind of lured me back into reading the X-Men books. So if I were to switch that paradigm upside down, I think that would be Ryan because while you were traditionally an X-Men fan, you weren't necessarily a big fan of Hickman. Am I right on that? Uh, That's true. So I can see the craft in a lot of this stuff. It's very impressive. I I've I've never, I'll never for once say he's a bad writer at all. He's, obviously lays things out very intricately. 
I've just had trouble connecting with a lot of his stuff. You know, I always try it. I always start, but I, I rarely finish his stuff. I didn't finish Fantastic Four, and I fell off of the Avengers train probably after 10 issues or so, and that kind of... I, I skipped, you know, the, the Secret Wars and the Battle World and all that. I, I, I just don't connect with his work quite a bit, but this was kind of a turning point for that, for me at least. So you were a X-Men fan, but then you fell away from the X-Men. So really quickly, just for my own knowledge, as well as everyone listening, where did you meet the X-Men per se, and what kind of just took you away from the X-Men? I would say, you know, I vote... The, the X-Men movies were, were real big for me. I'm kind of of that generation that's kind of pre-MCU. I got into, you know, Spider-Man and X-Men through the, the early 2000s movies. And then I went and I am actually came to the X-Men through Ultimate X-Men, which I read for a while. And then in the years after, you know, kind of falling away from that, I went back and read a lot of Claremont, a lot of the 90s stuff, Morrison. I, I, I feel like I'm pretty a pretty seasoned X-Men writer or reader, but... As far as falling away from it, I would say I, I did stop buying monthlies altogether for a little bit there in the early part of this decade. And then uh, I came back. I tried to jump on with things like Extraordinary X-Men. But it seems like, you know, with uh, before Disney bought Fox, the Marvel Comics wasn't doing a whole lot to make the X-Men interesting. So I didn't really pay them too much attention up until now. And it was a, I felt like this was a good place to jump back on. Cool, cool. So just to kind of give you, since this is the first time we've been on discussing comics together, an idea of me, I got into X-Men. Originally, my fascination with them started with Spider-Man and his amazing friends when they appeared on that uh, cartoon back in the you know early 80s. But what cooked me into the X-Men was Uncanny X-Men number 180. And it's a conversation between Kitty Pride and Storm where Kitty is not liking Storm's no longer being the reserved goddess Storm. And just the something about the whole uh, interaction with the X-Men just really fascinated me. So that's where I got into the X-Men, and I've been a fan ever since. And even though I was still spending money buying these books, the thing, what you were just saying about Extraordinary X-Men and all these different titles, it was like you would open up the page and you would flip through and you would have read it and it would be like, ah, what? yeah, you just kind of, you know, something just felt like it was lost. Yeah, it was very lethargic. It was just it it was saying a lot but not really going anywhere. Interesting thing, saying a lot but but not going anywhere. This one kind of again turning paradigms. This these two series not only did they say a lot because there were a lot of pages that had a lot of information on it, but they did a lot. So, I want to know what impressed you the most and Ron, I'll ask you this question first. What impressed you the most about these two series? Well, I think what impressed me the most was it kind of just basically without making it like this clean slate reboot, it just made it like as if the I guess the previous books that we have read prior to this were, were just its own thing and now it's kind of basically just Starting new, but kind of giving you some of the same history, but just kind of retelling it, basically. It's and it's just like, like I said, it's just re redefining it to where it's not as all over the place. It's not this humongous rabbit hole you're going through 
per se. It's a little more, it's complex, yeah, but it, you kind of understand what's happening still. But it, but it definitely makes you, like I said, it, make, it makes you excited to read other books later on down the road. All right, cool. So Ryan, what about you? What impressed you the most about this, or these two series? Um, I was honestly, you know, I kind of went in having a, I don't say negative, but like, like I said, not really ever connected to anything of Jonathan Hickman's before. There's a lot of very impressive stuff, not a lot that I emotionally connected with, but that midpoint of House, uh, the, the two middle issues of House of X, where the X-Men die in what is essentially a suicide mission, I, th- I found to be what some of the most touching comics I've read in a long time. And I, and I, it made me excited again to be re- reading Jonathan Hickman comics, where I feel like this is the first time I really do connect I did connect emotionally with some pretty powerful moments. So I'm hoping that that translates into more going forward with, uh, with his X-Men vision. All right. So speaking of X-Men visions, we see these three stories or three or four stories playing out simultaneously almost in these different parts of house and powers of X. And we see this future and we see the past and we, we find out about Moria and her, all of her different lives. So, you know, there's these, all these things going on, but there's one thing that I have yet to really wrap my head around is the life of Moria that we are now living in, where we see Krakoa and we see all the X-Men on Krakoa. Is this supposed to be the X-Men that we've been reading in the comics all these years or not? What do you guys think? I don't let you have this one. <laughs> um, I feel like this is where I like maybe rereading the story two, three, four more times is going to really give me clarity. I, I get the feeling that, and again, I, I have no idea. His, his work is very, um, lofty and esoteric, but, um, I, I get the feeling that what we're reading now in in house is a different life than what we had been living, you know, the previous fifty years of X Men continuity. See, I do. I feel that way too. I totally mm-hmm. feel that way. And they're not coming right out and saying it, but I, 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 it just feels like if if for some reason this doesn't go over well, or they need to change something or whatever, they can. It's a way that they can go back to the way things were. It's kind of like a built in reset button if mm-hmm. they need it. Mm. Very, very, very good point and, and very good way of saying it because yeah. I've noticed in reading this that characterization of some of the characters has shifted. Yes. Ryan, do you, you know, and this is for both of you, but Ryan, this may be centered more to you because of your familiarity, but do either of you feel that character personalities have shifted? And if so, who and how? I think the characters for me, I think characterization uh, change was with Magneto. I think he has it's I never I think from a jump it seemed that as though he was really all for Charles's vision versus to just being the one eighty version. For me, I think also another I think Charles uh, his his own uh, characterization, his was a little different as well. But almost seems the same in a little bit in a way, but I guess what I'm saying is he had this, I think prior to the house and powers, he kind of had this jerkish type personality. And now it's more of, he is like, I don't know. It's almost like he has this, like, of course he sees 
is what his his vision is and is what he's what his cause is, and he is not allowing anything else outside of that affect it. And that's what really when you saw in House three and four, you kind of saw that where he was sending them off, knowing that th- these X Men are not coming back, even though he said that. that but it's, he, he almost thought like, okay, they might get beat up or you know it might be close, you know, pretty close, but they're. I'm pretty sure they're gonna come back. Maybe one or two of them might die, but not all. But all of them died. Like, but but he knew that that they were going to die, and it's pretty cold. And you didn't think that he would actually do something like that, sending Cyclops or, or James. Those are the two closest mutants he has that that are close to him that he probably sees like his son and his daughter. And mm-hmm. for him to just send them off like like a lamb, you know, a sacrificial lamb. All for you know for the greater good. It was like almost cold, but is it so? And I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just asking this for the sake of asking. No, yeah, no, isn't yeah. it less so that if he knows that he can immediately bring them back? That is also true. Yeah, going back, you no, know, I guess you say like three and four. You didn't know that that's how they're going to come back, or you didn't know they're going to come back. You true. thought that was it. True. Yeah, going back in, you thought that was it, but it was when you read five. And realize how they, you know, they came back and understanding that it, it made him seem less, I guess, less cold. But it makes you wonder if how, what if this, what if this new method of, you know, keeping the X Men alive wasn't around? Would he have done that still? Mm, good point. Good point. So, Ryan, what about you? What character you did you feel their personality had shifted? I honestly feel like if the X Men as a whole have kind of been shifted like 20% more towards the sycophantic mutant side. Like all of them kind of, what, what, what's always great. And you kind of said it about like your, your first exposure to the X-Men. What makes the X-Men great is they're all these different characters that come together and they have personal quarrels and they're, it's as much a soap opera as anything else. And in this, I was waiting for a Wolverine or someone to kind of, you know, stick his hand up and be like, are we sure this is a good idea? This is kind of, this is kind of a little much, but there, there are scenes in here where like, what really got me is when the X-Men were brought back and Storm is parading them out in front of the entire nation, you know, yes. as these rectorate is like, that doesn't read a storm to me. And I'm sure it's, I'm not mm. saying it like, I don't, I, I'm sure it's intentional. I, like to me, this is all very, everyone was very much on board with the idea of this Krakoan nation and getting away from humanity and becoming kind of like these adversaries to humanity in a way that, I wasn't expecting at all. So oh, I kind of felt like the entire mob mentality of the X-Men is a little strange. Oh, see, I am so glad you said that because my entire last five minutes of this podcast episode has been leading to try to get us to that very moment that you just talked about, which is that just rubbed me so much the wrong way. That didn't right. feel like Storm, that whole, you are my brother, you are my sister, we are mutants, that whole thing <laughs> just, just... It, like it, religious selling. Yes, and it made my stomach turn. It was like, and I these think aren't my X-Men. Right. We're not, we're not saying that it's a bad thing, I think. I think we're both like, it's supposed to make your stomach turn. I think it's supposed to make you feel uneasy, seem like, whoa, this is, this is not what I'm expecting from an X-Men book. And Honestly, it's exciting. You know, what they've been doing with the X-Men lately hasn't been working. So I'm all, I'm all for these changes. Mm. True, because it, it does make us have this conversation. And right. I would say six months ago, there were not any stories on X-Men proper that would have prompted us 
to have a conversation. Case in point, the three of us didn't get on a podcast to talk about Age of X-Men because most people didn't care. Yeah. I'm not trying to be silly. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> like that—that's how divorced I've been from the X-Men lately. I like—I'm yeah. not even following. Them you didn't like miss this. anything. <laughs> Trust me, you didn't miss anything. I want to talk to you guys really quick, and I—I I know we're talking less about the two stories, but more into concepts that they introduced. We have this council of mutants coming from everybody from Charles and Apocalypse and Magneto to the Hellfire Club to Exodus. And then you've got Wolverine or, well, you've got, um, I think, is Wolverine one of them? No, Maybe, no, 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 no. He's the, the, the three mm-hmm. X-Men representatives are Storm, Nightcrawler, yes. and uh, Marvel Jean. Girl. Marvel Jean Girl. Gray. <clears throat> so what did you guys think of this council that they have established? The viability of this council I think the X-Men choices, the three X-Men make sense. I think, you know, Professor X and Magneto make sense. And even the Hellfire Club makes sense. But when you start putting Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister and Exodus and someone else, you know, those those scales aren't really balanced if if things go a wrong way. True, true. Well, what do you think? I have to agree with Ryan. If you're looking at outside in, then, yeah, they're, I mean, they're pretty powerful, you know, allies to have but there's looking the inside in you know, if you knowing the history of things it's it's got a possibility this is going to fail and he, even in the last issue of powers they mentioned that Emma Frost could be up to something too because she was supposed to have been found she should have, have found a Red King which is like the last member of that group and she hasn't found one yet mm. so um, that I think I know who the Red King yeah, is going I, to Yeah, it accidentally got leaked, and I accidentally heard about it via spoiler. Oh. I won't say it here. Oh, okay. but, uh, maybe off air. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I will say there's going to be a Red King out there, and I will say that this character – well, I did say spoiler warning, but I'm not going to say who it is. But I will say that this character, if it's who I think it is, will be very prideful. I'll put it that way. (laughs) I want to talk briefly about something that I think that probably made all three of us uneasy. This concept of five mutants being able to bring back any and everyone who is a mutant. Thoughts. And Ron, why don't you take that first? Honestly, I didn't even at first think it would be be like mutants doing this, but it's definitely... It, I guess it it definitely shows that people are really underestimating the X Men themselves or mutants themselves. Their capabilities of keeping themselves around now to make themselves more it's still relevant. And to see because it was I'm trying to remember who, who was able to do it. It was Hope, um, Gold Balls, G- Gold Balls, Eva Bell, Proteus, Eva Bell, and uh, Elixir. Elixir, yeah, yeah, yep, that's it. Honestly, I didn't think of, I guess, using those all those characters to actually be able to create, basically, create life. Um, I think that was rather, it was very, um, I would say, crafty of Pikmin to actually think of that, to actually use those characters to to make that, I mean, make that happen. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to go another route. Just, I'm going to interject. It, it wasn't crafty to me. It was creepy. It, yeah, really, <laughs> the, the, it, the the whole concept of you take. Gold balls creating his no, they're not actually gold balls. They're eggs and they're dormant eggs. That was weird. That was just weird. 
just weird. So what did you think, Ryan? Did you think that other than it being weird, what was your thought? Um, just kind of on a meta level, it feels like, like we all know that people in comic books don't actually die. You know, there's, you know, no one, you know, if you're not named Uncle Ben, you haven't been brought back ever. But, you know, everyone else has been brought back. I feel like Jonathan Hickman is doing a, it's, it's a real, he's really trying to subvert expectations by coming in and immediately taking death off the board. If you can solve death, then he's almost saying that that's not, you know, mortal peril isn't where the drama of this series is going to come from. He's going to find drama in other parts, which makes me excited because, you know, every other comic book ever is about, you know, the, the characters could die. Um, but as far as the, the, the resurrection goes, it, it's totally creepy and it's kind of punctuated by at the end of it, what we see even in, uh, House of X number one, Charles Xavier with his helmet walking through them, looking very kind of creepy, saying to me, my X-Men. It, it, it's very, I, I don't know. It, it made my skin crawl a little bit. <laughs> so what did you guys think? And this is going to segue into the two things that I want to do before we give our final rating, which is they reveal in the last issue that Moria is secretly living basically in a bubble under this underside of Krakoa and this, for lack of a better term, wibbly wobbly upside downy version of some, something that she's living in and everyone else thinks that she's dead and there can be no mutant pre precogs because no one can find out that she's down there. What did you guys think of this? leaving it like this i'm excited i mean just kind of i'm ready to see what's going to come next i'm very i'm very eager to jump on whatever train is coming next so i feel like they set up all these dominoes and that that moira one is you know they definitely go out of their way in the la the latest issue the last issue to say no you cannot bring destiny back this is something you know that th they they put a lot of time into her being very much against that, which means it's probably going to happen and it's going to cause a lot of drama. So I'm, I'm very excited for where this is going next. All right. Ron, yeah. what about you? What did you think of that? I, I feel the same. I'm a little excited about this to see what what is to, to become of this. Because, I mean, like I said, I don't think that even though, yeah, she's hidden hidden away from in somewhere in Krakoa, but eventually I think that secret is going to come out and people on Krakoa are not going to really fully agree on that once they find out, once they know the whole truth because Mora has she's right I mean I think she's she's right where she believes if she tells them that everything you know every, about everything that we lose every time that we we do this and there's a possibility that I can I mean, we could lose it again I don't think that that's you know I don't think that they're going to handle that all too well all and right it could it could it could start a, a division in that what they already built Interesting. So that leads into what were the three top three predictions that you guys have your your personal top three predictions oh. of what's going to happen? And and Ron, I'll start with you. Your your top three prediction. Okay. One, um, X the X Men book that we see is looks like it's gonna be very summers heavy. I guess the prediction I would have would be, and especially after reading this last series where Mister Sinister was so prominent, there's gonna be some. Good old fashioned Mr. Sinister Summers family genetic hijinks going on in that book pretty heavily. I feel like that's something they've definitely um, set up predicting. I would say 
I, my, my, I'm going to predict that my favorite book out of all of them is going to be the Marauders. I feel like that's a really fun team. I really like Russell Bowderman art. Jerry Duggan's a really good writer. I'm very excited for that one. Oh boy. And prediction three. I just really think that Destiny's going to be brought back and assassinate Moira. And this is, that's how this is all going to end. <laughs> and then we're all going to be like, and that was the whatever life Moira McTaggart. I feel like wherever it's going to be, that's, that's got to be how it ends. But. Uh, those those are my three half baked predictions. All right, all right, I like those. All right, Ryan, what about you? What what are your predictions? Oh, uh, I well, I will say I kind of like Ryan's um, prediction with Moira being taken out. I think that might actually happen. But um, one of my predictions that I think is well, number one, I think the method of bringing back mutants. I believe that's going to be there's going to be a little slight hinge in there somewhere. I think someone's going to find a way to stop it or put a you know crutch into it, I guess. Um, New Mutants, um, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with that. I think I feel that that's going to be a, a really fun read. That's based off looking at the, the cover on that, it's really beautiful art, so I think I'm really going to enjoy that one. Um, prediction three. Um, this is going to be a wild one. And I, I feel that maybe Professor X dies. Mm, okay. Okay, definitely. I can see that. All right. So here, so here are my, uh, three predictions. My three predictions is number one, that Krakoa is built on quicksand and as great. And what I mean by that is as great as things seem now, things aren't going to, you know, stay great, stay great for, yeah. for very long because let, I, let me ask you. Okay. Do you, do you mean Krakoa? Do you mean Krakoa the island or Krakoa the nation? Like, do you think things seem good on? good for the island itself or are you talking about the nation mm. that they've made very good very very mm. very good question because are they mutually exclusive or are they one and the same i don't know because i don't quite trust the island nation of krakoa because i think krakoa has always been krakoa and I don't know Krakoa the island well enough to trust Krakoa the island yet, but mm-hmm. Krakoa okay. the, the Krakoa the nation I feel is built on deception. Because of that, it's going to eventually fall. And if that means that the X Men discover what my prediction number two is going to be is that Charles is secretly controlling them uh, mentally. Then I think that will help lead to prediction number one. Prediction number three is I think that somebody is going to betray somebody. And I know that's too broad to, you know, ultimately that's going to happen at some point anyway. But I, I don't know if that's, you know, one of the X Men betraying and going. I, I, I don't, I don't know exactly what I mean by that, but all I know me, is ju- there's let just me help something. You on, let me. That's let me not help you right. on that one. All right, go for let it. Do you feel like it could be the silent council that might fall? That might fall. Oh, oh, that's the. I, I see the is silent it, council as like cracking down the middle because there's too many personalities and too many strong personalities to exist without being controlled mentally. Mm-hmm. Too many agendas. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, guys, what were your top? three favorite things that that have come out of this series meaning what 
like our favorite moments from the series? Either favorite moments or be meta with it. Favorite thing about what the series has done or within the series. Either one. Okay. I, Ron, you want me to go? Yeah, you can go first. Okay. Um, definitely number one, like I said, was those two middle house of X issues. That was my favorite parts of it where like the, the little scene between Wolverine and Nightcaller before they know they're going to die. I, I found that really, really affecting. Um, I really enjoyed the art on this series and I, I feel, you know, we're kind of gl- going right past that, but the art on the series was really strong, really consistent. I mean, it, it, it is two kind of, kind of similar styles, but different enough. Plus, uh, putting the coloring in it being very similar. It was kind of seamless, but also distinct in and of itself. And then three, I'm excited to be reading X-Men again. And I can't really overstate that. It's been probably 10 years since I've been super pumped to be picking up X-Men. So that is definitely my favorite thing to come out of this series. Cool. Ryan, what about you? The coolest moment, I would say, had to been when the Silent Council finally got together and they were talking amongst another, say, you know, saying their opening statements. And then it was Nightcrawler's turn to say something, but Emma Frost kind of like, trying to make was mocking him because of his, you know, his religion and stuff and thinking he didn't have nothing to say. And he, he burst out with a verse that kind of really just, it made, you know, just pretty much stated out what their, what their next move was going to be for coronation and, and kind of basically just shut her up. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, also my favorite, also one of my favorite moments definitely was Nightcrawler and, and um, Wolverine um, just before they went out and, out in space, you know, to take off, um, to stop the, um, mother mold. Another one that was basically a huge jar dropper for me was, of course, about Moira being a mutant. How uh, that just basically just pretty much, you know, just redefined it without hindering what, you know, everything about X-Men without actually, you know, making it, you know, de- you know, detrimenting it at all, but it, it actually made it better. But, uh, yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. So I will say, for me, one of my favorite things was, of course, the Moria moment. I thought that mm-hmm. was cool. The second thing is, and this is more meta than it is story, it has made the X-Men be a topic of discussion again. And mm-hmm. for the reasons that we've been saying, you know, whatever Marvel and Fox and all of that, what for whatever reason, over the last 10 or 15 years, they've kind of fallen away. They have made X-Men relevant again, and I love that. And the third thing I would say is not only, you know, do we get a new X-Men title, but we're seeing titles that I personally love come back like Excalibur, and we're seeing the New Mutants come back with the original New Mutants team, and I just am, like, hyped about that. So really, really quick, just on a, just give me a number because I've kept you guys long enough. If I were to ask you guys to give me on a scale of one to five, and I'll start out and, and just give it as a whole of the story. If I were to say one to five, and I'm going to give it a 4.5 as an overall story, what would be the number one out of five that you would give? And Ron Stevens, I'll start with you. Uh, I have to give it a, I give it a 4.5. Awesome. 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 Ryan, what about you? What would you say? I'm going to say right now it's a four, but I could reread it tonight and might be, you know, go up to a 4.5 or even higher. Maybe once I wrap my head around some of these concepts a little better, it might go up. But right now I'm going to say a solid four. Awesome. 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 
So, gentlemen, one final question for you. And, Ryan, I will start with you. If you will remind everyone how they can find you on the Internet. I'm on Instagram at Combo Classics. And Ron Stevens, tell us how you can be found on the Internet. Well, if you want to reach me, you can easily contact me on Facebook, look up Extremely Geeked Out Podcast, or on Twitter, uh, which is Ego underscore Podcast, and Instagram is also Ego underscore Podcast as well. That way you can look into the behind the scenes of me doing these podcasts and conversing with these fine gentlemen right here as well at times. Awesome. 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 Well, for everyone listening, we are glad that you joined us for another episode. And always check us out on Facebook and you can check out all of our shows on the Discussing Network. You can go to DiscussingNetwork.com for more information and go to Facebook, go to groups and look up Discussing Network. And with that, we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at RealityBreached.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. <laughs>